This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about Denver. Should they decline the team option for Nikola Jokic and give him the max? We're also going to be talking about Michael Jordan and his comments about super teams. And we're going to wrap it up with the Joel Embiid contract extension. And is it worth it for the 76ers and Joel Embiid? Let's jump in, Dave. Denver has the team option after the 2017-2018 season to decline Nikola Jokic. He's 22 right now, going to be 23 next season. And pretty much the idea is give him a max at the start of the, or during the offseason of the 2018 and 2019 season. Should they go this route and try to get him early on a max, or should they you know, keep the cheap contract of $1.5 million, which is the team option that's worth for 2018-2019, and let him, let, let him go to the free agent, free agent market where he's going to be unrestricted. If they decline his option now, he'll be restricted still. Yeah, that's that's the big kicker right there, the unrestricted versus restricted free agency. That's why I'd be most afraid of because it's kind of like the whole Hayward situation all over, and you don't want to run into that. So I think it may cost you more up front, but honestly, it's a it's a better deal in the wrong long run because you lock down your top talent, and by far he is your top talent on that team. He's mm-hmm. he's what you're building around. So I think honestly, their best move is to decline the option, sign him, give him the max money because honestly, the cap will just continue to grow. And it's not like they're no offense, you're not going to win a championship this year. You got the time, spend the money on him right now. Give it time. Let the let the roster form around him. Go drop money in free agency the following year. It's not like you're going to need it next year, you know? Well, and the thing, you look at it, too, if, they, they're, if they're able to give him five years, I'm not exactly sure just because he is re- restricted if it's going to be four years or five years because I know they did the same thing with Gary Harris. They gave him four years, $84 million. Again, I'm not exactly sure. What Did Joel did give five? Because I, whatever they, they are able to give him, I would think they gave Joel four. So, no, five. five. So, Joel yeah, got five. So, five-year deal. Um, is pretty much what we're looking at. He would sign it when he's 23. He'd be 28 yeah. coming out of it. He's still in his prime then, and obviously that's going to be a max as well when he comes out of his prime um, if Jokic is able to keep up this produ- production. Um, I just feel like it's, it's, it's too smart of a move to, you know, to decline and then max him out because, like you said, you know, the cap is still going to go up, and yep. you're going to sign him at a max that you know five not years from now when he's 28 is going to look cheap. It's I a mean, bargain. I think it's going to be around 33 million, 34 million, 35 million, something around then. Yeah. Uh, but with the cap, with the cap room extending and, and cap room going to go up north, you know, probably near 130 million plus. I mean, <sighs> it is going to be crazy. Yeah. How max much of a contracts bargain, could be 45 million. Yeah. How much of a bargain Nikola Jokic will be? You know, not in 2018, 2019, but in 2020, 20, 2022, or 2023. Yeah. So. I think you look at it, and yes, it's going to cost you more money up front, mm-hmm. and it's it's not really the cheapo route as Denver, you know, in a small market probably should be exploring the cheapo route. Yeah. But then again, you look at Utah and what you yeah. mentioned. Now Utah's depleted. None of us had them as a playoff team, even though they made the playoffs last yeah. year. Was fifth seed in the playoffs last year, fourth seed in the playoffs last year. So looking at it, I don't think there's a reason not to decline his option. Yes, again, you can get him for 1.5 mil. But then again, that's going to play into negotiations next year. Like you know, it, hey, it almost is like a. It leaves a bad taste in his mouth because it's they aren't ready to put a max money on him yet. It's mm-hmm. like, what more do I have to do to prove to you guys I'm worth max money? I mean, he put up an amazing stretch last year for the, for the month of March on. Mm-hmm. It was like almost 20 points a game. From uh, March 1st to April 12th. There you go. So almost 20 points a game, almost 12 boards, six assists, a steal, and a block. Like, 
the offense ran through him. They had one of the highest offensive ratings as a team when he was in when he was starting in that stretch. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no reason that this man is not worth max money. So you might as well go ahead, embrace him, give him that confidence that hey, we're investing in you. Yeah, there something awful could happen, obviously, but like, let's just be positive about it. And he's worth the money. Don't play the games with him. Don't try to pinch the pennies and get that one last year out of him for a bargain rate. I think I'm also sort of burned on it because like. I watched what happened to Jimmy Butler where they put, the front office put him through so much shit trying to get a contract, and they're like, yeah, we're going to lowball you, and if you don't take the lowball offer, we're going to cut your minutes, we're going to do all this like crazy shit. I understand they're in a much better situation with Jokic right now, but it's still just the concern of something could happen. I think they should just be good. I think it's a lot of goodwill towards the team, and it's a sign to the other players that they're willing to go out and pay the money if you are worth it. And that's just across the board. It sends the right message to the organization. And you talk about goodwill in the organization. You look at what happened with the Mello situation where he just didn't feel loved out there in Denver. He wanted to go to a bigger market. If they make Jokic feel loved, if they make him feel like the guy and they're going in the right direction, especially give him the money to back that up, I feel like that's definitely going to play into the, into the factor. Because like you said, the numbers back him up as a superstar that deserves a max contract. And also he's healthy and he's also young. Right now he's 22 years old, putting up 19 11 and 6, I believe was mm-hmm. the stat line that he had from March 1st to the end of April. This is a guy with has a unique skill set. At 6'11, he's got the fluidity, the fluidity of you know a small forward of a guy who's like 6'8, who's very athletic. He doesn't look the part, but then again, no. he can really trim it. I'd say he, he definitely has like, I don't want to call it baby fat, but it feels he's like got baby fat. It he's feels got like, Kevin yeah. Love baby fat. Yes. I mean that's it's, it's different. It's like Kevin early Love was Marcus Saul. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think Jokic can trim up a little bit. But oh, even absolutely. then, right now he's still a fantastic player. Yeah. And, and I think just, you know, if he trims it down a little bit more, he's just going to be able to have longer endurance. But then again, he's still playing 40 minutes, 33 really? minutes. So the big question with him is, you know, okay, he has offense pretty well under his grasp. Now it's what can he provide for you defensively? Mm-hmm. Because that's obviously where the team needs to improve this year. So, But that's why you bring in a guy like Paul Millsap. Eh? And you, you look at what Paul Millsap has done throughout his career. He's been a guy that down low has been able to be a great defender. And yeah. you know, not only is he going to be able to hide the flaws in Jokic's defensive game for you know the next four years under his contract, but also he's going to help him develop and learn the ropes. And you know, again, if... you know. Jokic is able to slim down and bulk up, he's going to be more of a force down low. He's going to be able to put a body on you more. And again, with his athleticism, he can really grow into a nice defender. So, and I think the biggest thing about this is he's only 22 right now. Yeah. And and, and going into that year of uh, 2018-2019, he's going to be 23. So it's crazy to see that you know this guy's gonna be 23 years old. You're gonna have it for five years. You know, five years at pretty much was gonna be a cheapo contract mm-hmm. because yes, you're gonna you know go away from the cheapo contract of 1.5 million yeah. in in 2018, 2019. And that hurts to do, but but you're saving a lot of money in in the long run. That's you gonna help be. you build a team around Jokic, and and that's gonna help you get guys to help you know shoot around him and, and guys who can you know be defenders because you already have Gary Harris, you already have Jamal Murray, so you have a nice you know two guys that can be shooters, yep. but you still need to develop this team more because you brought in Paul Millsap, it's a nice piece, but then again, I look at the He's Nuggets. aging as well. Yeah, I don't think the Nuggets are, are, are fully developed in the team that they need to be. So if Jokic is the long-term guy and they make him, sure he is the long-term guy by signing this max, whether it's the next year, which we think they should do, they should Absolutely. just decline the option and then go to 2018, 2019, um, with him under a max contract. In that year from 2018, 2019 to uh, 2023, 2024, I think that's five years, so I'm doing my math correctly, 
what are the pieces that need to be put around him? Because yes, you have Gary Harris, you have Jamal Murray, these two guys are young guys, but what are the pieces that you think will complementary Jokic's play style the best? I think honestly, if you can find someone very similar to, um, probably you probably just want a three-point shooting point guard if it's not going to be Murray, if Murray's going to be playing the two. Mm-hmm. Honestly, that's what you're looking for. It doesn't need to be anything spectacular. You don't need an amazing passer. It's kind of like what the Bucks did with Brogdon. You don't need him to run the offense, but you need to be him to be a viable threat outside. And that's the thing. Like, You should be able to find those guys. You should be able to kind of grow those kind of guys up because you don't have to trust them with 100% confidence of you're running our offense all night, every night, because you're not. Your job is to distribute the ball to Jokic, who will then run through the offense himself. That is, that is his job. So I think if you can get a point guard who's a 3-and-D threat, amazing. That's amazing. And like you said... Uh, a younger replacement for Millsap. I don't want. I'm not talking to replace him this year, but like in the long run, their window is not going to be in the next three years. I feel like yeah. the third year maybe, and that's if everything lines up. But and that's also with you know what the Warriors do as well. And, right. And, you know, the Rocket seems going to be older as well. You mean yep. like James Harden? He's going to be in his thirties. CP3. We don't know what players going to be in three years. Yeah. Um, and then you look at the Spurs. Kawhi's still probably going to be there, but then again, what's going to be around Kawhi? What do you think? Is, do you think you go to a similar player like Paul Millsap, though? You go like same, similar build, or would you go in a different direction with at least the piece next to him down low? I think if you could, f- ideal world, you go for somebody like uh, a high energy uh, defender, someone like a younger version of like Taj Gibson. Like okay. that's what I'm looking for is someone who's going to go in there, fight for boards, fight down low. So like a Morris brother. Yeah. Taj Gibson. Yeah. If you grab one of those. That would be an well, excellent. I don't know how, how yeah, old they're like be a Jordan. The time. If yeah. they could steal Jordan Bell somehow, like <laughs> that would be ideal right now. And I'm sure there'll be guys coming out yeah. of the draft, and there's guys coming up and working their ass off for it. So there are guys out there, but yeah, they need a high energy four who is mobile and who is aggressive defensively. And I think that 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 that's the ideal fit for me next to Jokic because he will continue to work on his shot, and if he if he learns to make a three. Horrifying. But, right, but even you look at him last year, 32% from three. The year before, 33% from three. He's got a decent stroke from the outside. I mean, he's not yeah. a, a deadly three-point shooter. That, but then yeah. again, this is a guy you that's going to be... You, you don't need it. If you're going to be surrounding him with shooters, yeah, if it's Murray, a nice, it's If nice, Murray a nice hits addition. a stride like we're expecting him to, mm-hmm. that is phenomenal. You have Gary Harris locked down for the foreseeable future. Will the throw so, Barton, Wilson Chandler. I mean, these guys are scorers. They're not... Yeah, the, no slouches. I think, honestly, it's defense that I'm concerned with because... Offensively, they're up there. Like I said, offensive rating was off the charts. They're the number one or number two team. Um, but the thing is, it's like you have to hold teams to less than 115 points, yeah. which sounds silly, but you failed to do it several times. Well, and I think the one thing, too, is like <laughs> while these are all quality players right now, you look at Will Barton, you look at Jamal Murray, you look at Wilson Chandler, they're very quality players. But yeah. these are none of these guys that are, you, know, you, can, you can't put these, this team up against a super team. You need like an A-B. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you need a guy that's going to be that number two, that's going to compete with Jokic for that number one. But the one thing that I want to bring up, and it's, it's a conversation we constantly have, can you f- efficiently build a team around a big nowadays? Because we see it more. You see the, the 76ers putting that money into Joel Embiid. You see the money going into Carl Anthony Towns. You see the money going to Boogie, uh, Anthony Davis. Is it miss, a missed opportunity to put Jokic, you know, put a max to Jokic? Because, you know, again, a five isn't the guy. You know, he's not a guard. He isn't a, a point forward. He's a point center. But do you think this is the right move to at least build the base of a team around a center? I think that's a fair question. I think the answer, we don't know the answer for sure yet. 
in my mind, it is it comes down to the player and what they can bring to the team. I think a standard big superstar does not deserve a max contract. I think Andre Drummond does not. I think that Hassan Whiteside does not. I think DeAndre Jordan does not deserve a max contract. They're but still going to get it. And that's the thing. Yeah. They're going to get it because that's the way NBA and contracts roll mm-hmm. out. Like, it's just timing. A lot of it is timing and, and what Horford you did. Al Horford got one, too. Al Horford yeah. wouldn't have given. It, that's the thing. It's like, you need to get someone special. Someone like Joel Embiid, who has potential to be a, I don't want to say goat, but, like, he, he has potential to be a top-ten top player in yeah. the NBA. Like, next year. So does Jokic. And that's the thing. What Jokic brings to the table is so unique and so dynamic that it's hard when you don't have an answer to this problem because... How do you stop somebody who's 6'11", who is fluid, who passes the ball out of the low post with the accuracy and style that he does? There's no answer for it yet. And when you have a game plan built around something where other teams can't answer it, you have a mismatch. You take advantage of the mismatch, you will win games. But then again, you look at what the Warriors can do, the Rockets can do. They can just outshoot you from the outside. And three, again, is bigger than two. I don't know how many times I have to say that. And that's the thing. Is like, you can say that, yeah. You, know, you, you, can, you have Jokic, who's a you dynamic need, yeah. player. Yeah. And, and you can match him, at least with the skill there, on the outside to the best of your abilities. But you know, if you have Steph versus Jokic, as much as I love Jokic, as much as I love watching him, I'm going to take a team led by Steph because Steph can go boom, 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 boom and put your team up 18 after six shots. Where, you know, Jokic, yes, he can get you, you know, threes, but if the team is playing decent perimeter defense, they can shut that down where Steph can create that shot by his own or he could shoot it from 40 feet out and just drain a three. I mean, these he guys have can that transcend. And obviously, Steph is you know, the, the, the exception outlier. to the rule. He's the greatest three-point shooter we've seen in NBA history. Yeah. But still, I mean, there's guys that can transition games more. And I think Steph or a player like LeBron, it, the, these guys are better than you know an Anthony Davis, uh, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, and Cole Jokic because they have that athleticism and that skill to take over a game where I haven't seen Jokic be able to take over a game Scoring. I mean, yes, he's had some games where he's around 40 he's had, points, yeah. 30 points, but I haven't seen that consistently enough from him because you still look at his game log. He was only averaging 19 points a game. I mean, that's you, you got to hit that 20 mark, and, and Anthony <laughs> Davis has been able to do that. Boogie's been able to do that. Joel did it last year. He had 20 in his yeah. 31 games. But, again, it's, it's something that I don't know if Biggs can be a number one anymore. I think, for me, his ideal setup would be kind of similar to, like, could you imagine him on, like, the Dwight Howard Orlando Magic? I was going to bring it up, too. Like, yeah. that that would have been disgusting. Mm-hmm. Like, because, look, the thing that LeBron does best, better than anyone else is create opportunities for higher percent shots for his entire team. And I feel like Jokic has the same talent in him. And people uh, don't respect that out of him because of his either physique, his looks, his play style, and, and coming out of a center being the main distributor for a team. I feel like that is something they can take advantage out of because, yeah, we know this now that he can do this. That was a 20-game sample. I mean, it was, he did a little longer, a little less efficient over the rest of it, but yeah. still. I mean, he still had games where he had triple-doubles yeah. throughout the season. The, the thing is, is like, if you can have someone who improves the team around him, he's one of those guys who vastly improves the guys around him, and if you can go with 3 and D players, I mean, I know that's asking for a lot, and I know the price is very high on them and growing, and it will only continue to grow as long as the NBA trends in this direction. Mm -hmm. But that is a scary lineup. That that would be something that, and I think they've got a couple pieces in place right now. The biggest thing, though, I think is, you know, I think he has to really work on his scoring because, yes, he's he's a fantastic passer as a five. He's a great rebounder, but the thing is that I look at him and I don't know if I can go to him 
last second shot, and, and he could be the, my true number one that's going to put the ball in the hoop. And especially, you know, if he's going one-on-one, you're going to put a guy like, you know, again, like you say LeBron James, Kevin Durant, uh, Kawhi Leonard, yeah. you're going to put your best defender on him. I don't trust a 6'11", you know, center to be my best guy to, you know, either box down a guy like Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, or LeBron James, or take it at the top of the key and try to drive on those guys. Yeah, and I think I... As, as dangerous as he is. Yeah. I, I sort of agree, and I think part of this is just we haven't seen enough of him running the offense. Like, we only got a small sample last year of him truly being the one. I think this year is a lot of him going to prove it, and that's why we're saying, oh, it's a smart move, lock it down. Last year was not a, like, a sample. Last year was not an anomaly. That mm-hmm. That is who he is, and I truly believe that he will continue to grow from there. 22. The question is, is, like, the basketball IQ of... I saw a lot of plays where he could have, he had easy shots to take, and he passed them up. Not like true Rondo, like I'm going for assist numbers, but like he he hesitates in his own shot. And if, until he builds that confidence in his own shot and knows when he needs to take over games, that's the thing. I need that aggression out of him on a consistent basis, and then I think I would trust him more. But then again, he is he's, only 22. Yeah. He's still developing. I don't think there's a reason that Denver should not offer him this contract, but we want to know what you think. Let us know in the comments down below or tweet us at, uh, at Most Valuable Podcast if, if you feel so free, if you're listening yeah. to Blog Talk Radio. Um, but if, again, if you're in the comments, definitely hit us up down there. Does Denver need to decline Nicole Jokic's team option and give him a max right away as soon as possible? But moving on to our next topic, we're talking Michael Jordan and super teams. He's talking to Cigar Aficionado, a magazine, and he drops this quote. He said, I think it's going to hurt the overall aspect of the league from a competitive standpoint. You're going to have one or two teams that are going to be great and another 28 teams that are going to be garbage. Or they're going to have enough time surviving in the business or they're going to have a tough time surviving in the business environment. Luckily, um, we're not reading. We're, uh, we're, we're dissecting his comments. Yeah. And um, <laughs> looking at this, I mean, he didn't say, you know, all 28 teams are trash. He's saying super teams in general can make the league like this. 20 teams garbage. Is, uh... But what I'm saying is he didn't come out and say all 28 teams are garbage because he's currently the owner of the Charlotte Hornets and he, his team would be in well, one of those Well, it's literally teams. him and the Warriors, clearly. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what he's talking about, right? It would obviously be <laughs> someone and the Warriors, and, and <laughs> the Hornets would not be in there. Um, you know, I, I look at this, and I don't think it's a, a crazy thing to say. I think this is something that we all worry about, is you have one or two great teams. I mean, really, everyone is picking Warriors-Cavs. I mean, really, some people might go on the line, most of them are going to be Boston fans, saying Warriors-Celtics. Uh, Maybe yeah. someone in Houston or someone thinks you know one of the big four in, in Golden State is going to get injured, so they have a, di- a different finals. But I would say probably 80% of basketball fans probably even a little bit higher, probably 90% of basketball fans, think it's going to be the Cavs versus the Warriors in the NBA Finals. So I don't think we're even too far off from all 28 teams being garbage. I mean, really, we look at the playoffs, maybe six teams, both in the West and East, like have a decent shot to do something magical in the playoffs this year? Yeah, I mean, that's that's not too far off. And I think I think you're right. Like Vegas odds, everybody's all in on Warriors and Cavs slash Celtics pretty much at this yeah. point. So honestly, it's... I wouldn't call the other teams garbage. I like the NBA brackets out nicely, though. You have literally the Warriors up top, then you have the challengers to the Warriors, which is Cavs, Celtics, uh, Spurs, Rockets, Rockets Thunder. Thunder. Yeah. And then you literally have this mid-range of NBA teams who are were good enough to make playoffs, but they're not. And I mean not going to compete for a championship. But the thing is that mid-range, that. like there's there's like five teams that I would say are garbage that fit that garbage thing. 
and like that garbage, you know, at least quota that yeah. Michael Jordan is saying. And then you obviously have the six teams that you mentioned. So 11 teams are either, you know, garbage or the cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. So all other, I hate doing math on these things, all other 19 teams are mediocre. Yeah. And I feel like that's either you can get larger where you're going to have, you know, six great teams and then the other five are going to jump into that 19. Uh, so that's 24 teams are going to be all mediocre. Right. And then obviously there's going to be garbage just because if they're all mediocre, you're going to have to compare some teams and some teams are going to be garbage. I mean, I think honestly we're getting close to that point where even some of those five teams, like you look at the Bulls, like they're complete trash. The Hawks are complete trash. But even then, like the Kings maybe, Lakers, even then, you know, the those Suns, teams might be somewhat, the hype beasts. They, they might be somewhat competitive, at least compared to the mediocre teams. So I feel like we're getting there to the, you know, to the, the what, what Jordan is saying. They might not be garbage. Mm -hmm. It might be a little too harsh. But then again, compared to the Warriors and Cavs, these teams might be trash. Yeah, they're not. They're not putting up a very strong fight most nights. You like the assume. Magic versus the Warriors. I'd say the you new know, Magic are trash. I, I don't know. I mean, like twelve starters. starters. Yeah, twelve starters. You gotta maybe. get a jab in there. Every time, <laughs> Uh, honestly, though, I don't. I think it's strong to call them garbage. I think what you have to understand is, you know, the NBA is kind of cyclical in the way this thing works. Like right now, the problem is very strong and very visible for everybody that contracts and the freedom to go where you want to is creating these like power vacuums in the NBA. Honestly, what the NBA can do to fight this is to change the way contracts work f coming off of your rookie contracts because yep. they have so many superstars coming into the league. Year after year, you have guys with a ton of talent. I know this year's draft is like the be-all, end-all, it would seem, and the next year there's another four guys who could potentially break out again. Yep. But if you can allow teams to lock down those superstars for, you know, from age 20 to age 28, you have the first eight years of their career, basically, and locked in on one team. Yes, they can leave when they're like just they're still in their prime, but yeah. they can still travel at that point. But at that point, it's like we've incentivized you staying with your home team. We've done everything possible. If you want to throw away money and burn it, then go play with your friends. But the one thing I want to mention, though, is yes, I, I think you're completely right. But the one thing I want to mention is I feel like we're getting into that era because we just talked about Nikola Jokic yeah. and, and the fact that the Denver can decline their team option and be worth 1.5 million dollars in 2018-2019, they can decline that option and then give him a max right now as a restricted free agent, be five years around 145, 150 yeah. million, let's just round it up to 150 million. Sure, it'd five around, million, give or take. It'd be around five years, 150 million. So, And they would be locking up Nikola Jokic until he's 28 years old. Mm -hmm. So this is something where we're at least seeing this a little bit. But then again, when you say it's cyclical, I don't really know if it is cyclical because yes, we've seen dominant teams. We're talking about the guy right yeah. now, Michael Jordan, six championships in eight years. That was a dominant team, but was it really a super team like we, we are seeing right now? Because these are guys going in free agency, moving around. Right. That Jordan team was built through trade. Scotty brought in through a trade during the draft. Dennis Rodman, I'm not entirely sure because I wasn't he alive on He was that. from Detroit. But was he a trade? He was, I can't remember was he, if it was a trade or was it San Antonio? It, it was Detroit, San Antonio, Chicago, I feel like. Okay, but yeah. anyways, I I'm, I'm, wasn't <laughs> around. Don't blame me. But again, like, like two. if it was even a free agency signing and Dennis Rodman came over through free, through free agency, he was like one of the first guys. You look at Boston back in the days when you know Bill Russell won 10 championships, those were all through the draft, but that was because there was like six teams in the NBA back then. There was like yeah. eight teams in the NBA. All of these super teams have been built because of the drafts and because of exploiting the draft and, and, and drafting these guys. Like, you look at um, Los Angeles when they drafted Magic. They traded a ton, exploited the draft, got Magic Johnson, and they built around him and Kareem. Um, it's just something where 
back then there's always an exploit to build a super team, but mm -hmm. I feel like right now it's at its worst where you have six super teams and then, you know, again, just complete trash or mediocre teams Me yeah. below there because of free agency and because of trading. And I feel like what you mentioned is obviously going to soften it a little bit, but I don't know if that is the end-all be-all because then again, it's not like those guys are going to win championships if they stay with their hometown teams. They might not. And just small correction, yeah, he was traded, uh, Dennis okay. Rodman, from the Spurs to the Bulls. That was the Will Purdue trade. Okay. Um, but no, honestly, the thing is, like, there there's periods of time in the NBA. For me, I'm thinking of, like, the 2000 era, the post-Jordan era, was when it was like, oh, well, we got Kobe and Shaq now. And then they break but up. that was and a then big trade. Got, that was a big trade for, yeah. for Shaq. Oh, no, Shaq was a free agent, wasn't Shaq it? Shaq chose. Okay, so Shaq chose. So that was, like, another one, probably the biggest free agent. But then right, you ended up then. with them breaking up. And then you go over and you look at um, the Detroit Pistons were mostly made within their own team. Yeah, I think Rashid came over. Yeah. Because he was he started with Portland, but Ben Wallace, Rip, and Chauncey, I think were all drafted by yeah. Detroit. Yeah, and then we keep going with um, like those six years. So we had the Heat, who obviously got Shaq, but I mean, that was pretty that much was a old trade school. with Lamar Odom going to the Lakers. But still, the, the majority of that team was home-built. I mean, that was something putting them over the top, basically. Mm -hmm. One trade over the top, one trade over the top. That's what we're seeing. Gasol and Kobe together, and then eventually when they split. Spurs are probably the only one that like was the Spurs are the just, draft. Yeah. I mean, you had Manu, uh, t uh, Tim, and then uh, Tony. And those yep. guys were all drafted by the Spurs. And then, you know, obviously they added pieces, but none of them were major pieces because the three yeah. guys were Tony, Tim, and Ma Manu. So, but then we hit the modern era of, you know, the, the Miami Heat taking my talents down to South Beach. We all thought that was the end of the NBA competition. We're like, oh, mm. well, why is there even, like, why is this thing? And when will this but end? Then and again, that not was only five, two not guys. six, not seven. That was LeBron and Chris Bosch because D Wade was already there. Exactly. And then mostly. Well, he chose to resign. Yeah. And, but mostly, of the, like, the, the, everyone else on that team was, like, pretty much already a Miami Heat. They, know, they like, cycled through a lot of free agents. Yeah, but then again, it was, like, you know, Mike Miller and then Ray Allen bring chased. Some once, blue guys. But we saw that, like, with, yeah. you know, Gary Payton and Carl Malone back with the Lakers. Yeah. I mean, like,. I feel like now we're reaching that peak, and it was probably because of Kevin Durant. I mean, sorry, bud. I'm not Easiest trying to blame road. you. But, like, you know, it was probably this is what opened the floodgates completely because Warriors built through the draft. They added one piece, yep. but then again, they just did such a good job of doing it. Yeah. And now we're seeing all these trades to match up with it because they, all these guys are young. So I think the, the Warriors started cyclically because, again, we, we look back at it. You know, Bulls added a piece with Rodman. Uh, you know, Lakers added a piece with uh Shaq, Miami added a piece with yeah. Shaq, um, and then you know maybe a little bit of the the, Warrior, the, the Heat, sorry, diverged from that, adding Bosch and, and, and LBJ. But then again, you look at the Warriors starting the cycle again of super teams. It was only one piece. I honestly think it's less than like here's the thing. Here's why I have hope for the future of the NBA. I feel like the Warriors were just one step ahead of the curve as far as how to game plan and how to actually play because they were the first ones to truly adopt the three-point shot as this is how we're going to win games. We're just going to outshoot them, period. Yeah, we're going to play great defense and outshoot you. Yep. They're just ahead of the curve. Like, that's why the first year was so shocking. That's why it was so crazy to be like, this can't, they, there's no way they can keep doing this. And then they kept it up. The pace was great. They had the right guys on the team to do it. And then we watched what happened. The uh, Cleveland Cavaliers went out, and they actually got more three-point shooters than the Warriors had. And guess what? The Rockets, same thing. They went out, they shot more threes than any other mm -hmm. team in NBA history, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they did. Like, I feel like it's just a rotation, and because the Warriors were the first to get there, they reap the benefits. Yeah, adding someone like Kevin Durant obviously is absurd. Yeah. No, no disagreement there. But, like, the game continues to change, and I feel like as its evolution goes, 
other teams will catch up, and then the next person will have the next innovation of, we're going to run our game through a center who is seven foot tall, pudgy, and has like amazing hands. I thought you were going to bring up Joel Embiid. I was going to, but then I was like, I'm, I'm going to say that I was like, he is not pudgy. No, I'm um, saying that for our third topic. Yeah, no, I, I, I disagreed with you to start with the whole cyclical thing, but now I've kind of like seen the whole cycle. Yeah. Because then again, like the Warriors, again, they, they attacked a kind of weak spot, or not a weak spot, but they exploited... Underutilized. They, yeah, they exploited an underutilized part of the game of basketball. And they, again, they only added one piece with Kevin Durant. And they were already a super team with the guys that they drafted, including yeah. Draymond and Steph, and they really only added Sean Livingston and Andre Iguodala. But those weren't like crazy big free agent signings no. or huge trades because Andre already left the 76ers on the Nuggets, unhappy, needed to go to some, somewhere. Livingston coming off that injury really wasn't that big of a piece anyways, anywhere he was, and then he found his home with the Warriors. Um, you know, I, Again, I think they just had the right culture. You talked me out of the cycle. The, the cycle. <laughs> uh, but let us know what you think about the super teams, because, again, it's a problem right now in the NBA, but it's not like it's boring basketball. We're still having a fun time. Absolutely. This is the best offseason we had. So it was crazy. I, I'm really not complaining. I don't think Dave's complaining, but let us know what you think about super teams in the comments below. Are you on the side of MJ? Do you think it's going to be two teams and then 28 garbage teams? Or do you think we're going to see a lot where we're having right now where it's six teams and then, you know, a couple media or 24 media? Even the bad teams. teams have hope, though. That's the best part about it. Magic might make the playoffs. Well, that just doesn't even make sense. I saw someone's hot take, and it was saying Magic <laughs> were making the playoffs, and I just said, lol. <laughs> but I deleted it because I just felt mean. But yeah. anyways, tell us what you think of MJ's comments down in the comments below. But moving on, we are going to be talking about the Joel Embiid max contract that the 76ers dished out. And Dave, it was a big one for, yeah boy, five years, $146 million. But let's run through a lot of clauses because, again, 31 games he's played in his career, was drafted back in 2014, finally got to play this year, but then again, only played 31 games. Extension assumes 101 million cap for the 2018-2019 season. If he misses 25 plus games or plays fewer than 1,650 minutes due to injuries either to his back or his foot, Philly has the rights to waive and reduce his guaranteed amount of money. Uh, He's guaranteed uh, 84.2 million if waived after 2018-2019, 98.2 if waived after 2019-2020, 113 million after 2021, and then 129.4 million if uh, waived after 21-22. There's also a couple more, but it's not a big deal. Also, if he you know reaches MVP or first team All uh, All NBA, he gets like a 30% max. Yeah, but. All in all, there are some clauses if he does get hurt. So it's not awful. You know, obviously 31 games and a max contract. Yeah, being for told that max guy, contract, right, right with that number is a tad scary. Like, there's opt-outs. Yeah. There, there's ways out. If he misses 25 games or he doesn't play 1,650 minutes, he's he's pretty much screwed out of his money. If, if Philly feels like they, they should yeah. waive him. Is he worth the contract though? Because again, we only saw him for 31 games. Uh, yeah. We, we saw him for 31 games, but in those 31 games, he was a dominant force. He was, A, I would argue, one of the most entertaining players in the NBA top 10 already. But does that, does uh, that mean money? Translates to, it translates to money because it translates to ticket sales, it translates to attendance. All were directly affected by whether Joel Embiid would be there. And to be honest, he did play a lot of home games. It also, it also transfers to uh, Trust the Pot Process t-shirts. TTP, baby. All that merch. All that merch. No, he was, he was amazing, and I get it. He only played 31 games, and I'm looking forward to his new year Well, he's entirely healthy right now, and honestly, like being able to do that in limited minutes, in, and again, that was the thing. He was on a minutes restriction, and he still was taking over mm-hmm. games. 
And if him doing that was... Honestly, I'm just trying to find a, a nice way to say, like, is there a counter-argument to, yeah, he could get hurt? Well, if he gets hurt, then the money's gone. But like, then again, it's, it's not completely gone. No. They still have to waive him, and he's still, no, gu- it's he's, way, he's yeah. still guaranteed $94 million. If he gets injured this year, which, I mean, again, it's, it's possible. He, he hasn't been healthy. Stronger than ever. Wasn't healthy in his freshman year of Kansas. Sean's a hater. Wasn't, freshman, wasn't healthy in his 2014 year. Wasn't healthy in his 2015 year. Took him two years after being drafted to finally play yep. in the NBA. He was been injured for three straight years. But he much. looks like... And he, he does look like a completely different player no. than he was when he drafted. He, when he does, was drafted completely. He looks more fluid out there. He has a great jump shot. But one thing that I, I want to say, and you didn't have a jump shot at all coming out of Kansas. No. But one thing I want to say is you look at, I'm going to use the NFL as an example. You look at a guy like J.J. Watt. This is a freak of nature. The best, probably, defensive player in the NFL. Yeah. But two straight years, he has gone out with season-ending injuries. And it's because he's getting so big. He's so big for his body. And Embiid. It doesn't matter how great he is on the court. He is a liability out there because of his health. And yes, he's a freak of nature, but that doesn't mean freak of natures can stay healthy. Andre the Giant was a freak of nature, and the guy died so early on in his life. And it's a sure. sad, tragic thing. And I know, obviously, you know Joel Embiid isn't as big as Andre the Giant was. He's no. actually healthy. I mean, yeah. He's working out and all this stuff. He's he's moving. He's, he's not, like, drinking beer cans like they're, like, apple juice no, boxes. but the thing is, is that, you know, these guys... They aren't built to last. They are built. They are stacked. Like so a, don't you like want a, like a him tower. Well, you can have him because if you don't how, lock him down. How long am I actually going to have him? Because I've only seen him for 31 games in the past three years. Right, but to be fair, last year they've literally kept him out of games because of their choice, because of where they want to be in the draft. But then again, I mean, can't they in, His in first some year way, was redshirted basically because of his injury. The second year, injury again, but I feel like if you had played him from his... If he had been injury-free... I don't know that I would have wanted that Joel Embiid on the floor, to be honest. The way he changed his game, the way he, sh- he built up physically, like he was as skinny as like Thon Maker was coming out. I mean, that's he, w- he was a twig, and he's completely evolved. Mm-hmm. And right now, I think if you can have the most down force for some of your games, what gives you the best chance to win? Joel Embiid on the court. But- so if you can pay him money and guarantee that he will be on your team, I don't even care. Like the game count, obviously you want to be above 50, 60 games. I get that. But there's no guarantees in the sport. One thing, if he played, uh, if he just du- if you doubled his games and, and he played the same amount of minutes, he'd play 62 games and probably play around, um, let's see, 50, uh, 14, probably around 15,000 minutes, which is yep. under that bar. So he's got to play more than what doubling his expectation, what his output was last year. Yeah. And yes, he probably could have played near the end of the year last year. We all know that. He wasn't you know, totally banged up. It wasn't no. like he had a, a season-ending injury. They just wanted to be cautious with him. But if they're overcautious, they might keep him under that 1650 minutes per played. And, you know, hey, what if he doesn't, you know, keep up to where he is or maybe caps out at a 2011, whatever he was, 2011 and four player, I think he was. Um, uh, 20, yeah. uh, 20, he did that in 25 minutes a game. Yeah. Well, but then again, he I'm put saying, up 20 I'm saying, points, if, if you're restricting his minutes, 25 minutes. If you're restricting his minutes to 25, which seems like you're you're trying to do, and he's only playing like 62 games, he might not hit that 1650 that you're looking for. And that's something that they can opt out because if he's not performing and he's only you know staying around that 20, uh, 27 and, and, and two mark. Yeah. You know, this is something that they can cut because he's not performing to the expectations <laughs> that they signed him to. The, the organization of the 76ers would be rioted on. Like, they would just... The, the city of Philly loves this kid. He's already... I'm not doubting that, but I'm saying if he's not playing the minutes, 
that you know is stated in his contract of yeah. 1650 and he's not playing to the expectation or exceeding the expectation because the expectation or plays. Is, so if he misses 25 games or plays less than so he can he can play 62 games or 60 yeah 62 games and he's fine even if no, he's on a miss restriction wouldn't be 63 82 games, math on the stream is minus 25. Well, I'll look it up. But what I'm yeah. saying is it, it's it's close. It's either or. So he can have he can be out of man's restriction as long as he plays the games. That's the thing. It's that or contract. 57 games. Yeah, so if he gives you 57 games at 25 minutes a game, you're fine. I think you take that happily. Right. Well, I'm just saying, though. But you, you look Yes, at the contract has outs. No, they would, be, they would be idiotic to take those outs. He is... He but is the shining is, star of is this team. The idea is that he's going to exceed expectations. The, oh yeah. The, 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 the problem is the expectations are off the screen. The idea right, is right that now. that was his rookie year. So now he's got to now he's got to put up 22, 10, and then you know three or something. He's got to grow. I mean, and what I'm saying <laughs> if, is if he doesn't grow yeah. and he plays less than sixteen fifty, they can cut that contract. If he doesn't, if he plays less than sixteen fifty or fifty seven games, it's an or. So he has that way in. Yeah, no, but what I'm that's his, or so if he doesn't play, yeah. if he plays less than sixteen fifty, I think he's he can play cut six, the contract. But he can play fifty eight games and he's fine. That's the thing. The or is confusing. I thought it was and. No, and it's would or. include that. It's or. Anyways, it's or. It's not. Me. It's not the con. It's not the, 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 the discussion is if he doesn't grow, I don't think he's worth this. He's contract. not Ja. He's gonna grow. He's we don't only, know that though. I do we're know assuming. that because you watch. You're assuming. Look at his form when he was in. When he was at college, look at his form. Look at his form, look at his form I'm now. Just, I'm just saying. Look at his look form at, in the preseason. I'm looking what he did last still year. Good. Can he still grow? Oh yeah. But I, where does he where does he need to grow in his game? Is that that's the thing? Is that's what I'm trying to get to? Is we saw Joel Embiid it's at 24 movement. years old in his rookie year be fantastic? Yeah. And I'm not doubting that he wasn't fantastic. But then again, if he doesn't grow, and this is what you're getting, is he worth 146 million if he's not going to be ridiculously healthy and you're putting him on a minutes restriction? Yes, still is. I don't care. The number doesn't matter because contracts in the NBA are silly and it's all timing based. Like Hassan Whiteside got a near max contract because it, he just lined up in the right time. Is he worth it? Absolutely not in my mind. But he got it and he deserves it now because that's the way the NBA works. So Joel Embiid, because the stars lined up right and because he had a phenomenal stretch of games, absolutely earned this money. And they put in all these contract exclusions and ways to back out of the deal. But I honestly don't expect them to be needed. I think that he will be able to be, go out there, be healthy. He's built up his body. He's trained hard every season. Like it, It's entirely based on him being a constantly healthy player. I know it's not easy to sustain at his frame and his stature, and especially his play style, mm. but every cent of that is worth it if you get Joel Embiid out there in your games because he gives you the highest chance to win a game. And disclosure. I'm rooting for Joel Embiid. I hope he plays. He's just playing devil's I, I advocate right now. He's getting really I'm, mad. I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I don't think he's going to regress. I don't think he's going to stay stagnant. I think he's going to grow. Because you look at what he's been doing with the preseason with Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. He's acting like a fucking point guard out there, and he's seven feet tall. He's I mean, he taking their insane. foul shots. Like, yeah. He's out there taking, like, oh, flagrant one. Uh, we're we're going to send Joel Embiid to the line. And what, he was like 13, 13 or 14 yeah. I think one of the, one of his preseason games? Yeah, he's, he's just... He, he's a dominant force, and I don't know anywhere. He got Hassan Whiteside to commit three fouls within two and a half minutes. My biggest thing, though, is, is just that frame, because, again, freak of natures do not hold up. Dwight I, Howard was similar. Dwight Howard has not hold, held up. Dwight Howard is I not know, the but same he player he was down. when he was great. Yeah, but now he's 30 or 31. Like, That's the thing, though, is when Joel comes out of this contract, he's going to be 28. Yeah, that's still prime. But when I'm, that's still prime, Dwight baby. Dwight was in his prime when he started regressing. Dwight also was unhappy. I but, think that's the difference. But, like, 
if you keep players happy, they want to work, and they will work. He ha Joel Embiid has the work ethic of someone who wants to do this. But Troy thing, Howard did what, not. What I'm saying, though, is the work ethic, if yep. he overworks himself, he can put himself in a dangerous situation. Again, he's worth the contract. If if this all pans out, he plays those minutes, he's going to be worth a max contract. So he could put want, up like 30, 15, you, and 7. Even if he stays at where he was. If he stays yeah. at where he was, he was ridiculously valuable to the 76ers, and nobody's doubting that. And I'm not trying to make you doubt that. What I'm just saying, though, is just trying to play devil's advocate of freak of nature's do not hold up. And you don't want him going against you. If you're the 76ers, you don't want him on a different team. Pay him the damn max. I'm just worried about him long term because Joel Embiid was fun to watch last year. For those 31 games, it was insane watching the 76ers run, but I am just nervous that this will not hold up. And when he gets to year four, year five of that contract, I don't know if Joel Embiid is playing on the court. And it really doesn't matter because the 76ers aren't tied contract-wise. J.J. Redick's contract, gone after this year. I forget the other bum they signed, but it's gone after the year. Who do they sign? Um, I'm trying to think of his name because he's, he's not even that valuable to this team. They signed him for like $13 million. Oh, uh, I don't even know who you're talking Former about. Former center. Yep, for some team. Cam totally blank on his name. It doesn't matter though, sure. he's gonna play like you know ten minutes. All of those contracts, 18, 13 million. They have flexibility in rookie off. contracts out of the yeah. And then they're gonna have rookie contracts, Ben Simmons, Markel Fultz, uh Dario still Dario, is on a pseudo contract. Uh, TLC. Yep. I mean these and Rocco is is fairly Rocco's cheap. Rocco's getting his money though. Yeah, and, but, but then again, I don't know if he's really gonna get a max. We're looking at Rocco, probably yeah, not gonna get a max. Probably not a max. But gonna get close, yeah. but not gonna get a max. So yep. then again, you have the money to blow on Joel and And what else is he gonna do with that money? Come on. I mean, other than sign two max players. And, and probably take Rihanna out on a date. Well, definitely that. Oh, I thought you said the 76ers. I thought you were <laughs> what is Joel Embiid gonna do with this money? Uh final thing. How have you looked and, and seen Joel Embiid in the preseason? I mean, have you seen any improvements in this game or is it same cookie cutter thing, even though that cookie cutter is fantastic. Honestly, it's been a lot of the same. I think a lot of it is how does he fit in next to Ben Simmons and uh, on the court because their offense was very different last year because in the games that he was in, Amir Johnson. Sorry, Amir buddy. Johnson. Big fan of the show. Uh, he got signed by 13 million. Totally forgot about uh, him. He's not I'm playing sorry. though. It doesn't matter. He probably won't see the court. Yeah, honestly, it's gonna be a very different uh, way they're gonna stretch out the floor because Ben Simmons is now running point basically for them. They're going to have to have, obviously, because you have your seven-footer stand behind the three-point line, because if teams don't respect it, he will make those shots. Like, who the fuck does that? Who does this shit? The one thing that was crazy was seeing Ben Simmons in the post and Joel Embiid behind the three-point line and just toss, like, a nice little dime. It was like a Steve Nash pass. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was perfectly placed inside. It's going to be fun to watch. Again, I think... they got to learn the, the, the roster. they got to learn how to play through Ben Simmons. And, also, uh, what the fuck yeah. is Markel Fultz doing with the shot? It looks bad. He's right. got that weird hitch. Apparently he's got like, a bad shoulder. He's releasing it out like up here. I don't know what Markel Fultz is doing. He broke a shot. Hopefully he fixes it. Um, but still looking at it, I think people should reel back their you know expectations a little bit. Still think 76ers have the talent to be a playoff team. Definitely not saying they don't. But, you know, <laughs> Which is again, just silly. I trust the process. I don't know how far they're going to go in the playoffs, but I still feel like they're in playoffs. TTP, baby. Anyways, that's going to do it for the Fast Break Podcast. Check out tomorrow, if you're watching on YouTube, we got the Fast Break Overtime coming at you. We're going to talk Joel Embiid versus Carl Anthony Towns. We're going to debate who would you rather have on your franchise and as your key piece for the you know for the next five years, pretty much, since yeah. Joel Embiid signed a max contract for five years. But anyways, don't forget to check out patreon.com slash podcast. Next week, we're having Jake on the podcast on Ooh. the fast break for a topic. It should be a fun time. So if you want to be a part of that, go check out the $10 option at patreon.com slash podcast. But for Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time.
Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.